Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 515, air date February 3rd, 2020. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Some of you know I'm running for U.S. Senate, uh, but I'm also a system scientist. I do that full-time, plus also running for Senate. But today, I want to focus on a very important issue that really um, the media has brought a lot of attention to, and we're all concerned about what I call quote-unquote gun violence. Now, the reason I want to put the double quotes around it is because the gun violence that we're all really um, uh, aware of is a gun violence that occurs when a person, typically an individual, goes and attacks an institution like a school or mall or a college. Uh, The reality is, out of the around 40,000 Uh, gun violence incidents, you know, 39,000 to 40,000 that take place in the United States, 60% are suicides. Uh, Around the other 30, 39% are murders, which are taking place by gang violence in cities, uh, people shooting themselves up. And it's interesting that the media really doesn't focus on that. What the media really focuses on is around 300 to 400, sometimes, of the incidents that take place where an individual goes and attacks an institution. That is what we call gun violence or gun rampage. I want to talk about that because that focus on the media primarily is what is influencing public policy where people are saying we must take away the guns. And it's created an unfortunate situation like many of these situations. As you know, I talked about the uh, vaccine choice situation, pro-vax, anti-vax. And this dialectic is what those in power like to do because they never want us uniting to find the real problem. As you notice in the immune system and the pro-vax, anti-vaxing, I really brought a very different framework to try to say the real issue there is that the immune system is a very complex system, that there are many things that we can do to strengthen immune health um, and infrastructure. It really is a public health issue. Most of the things that really affected uh, us fighting infectious diseases was really the advances in public health, and we'll talk about it. I want to use that as an analogy to talk with. And then we're going to talk about gun violence from a systems approach. And what you're going to learn very shortly is that those in power have really spent a lot of time of taking a very complex systems understanding of gun violence and reducing it to one variable, which is take away the guns. Similarly, you're going to see the analogy when it comes to the vaccine choice issue. They've taken a very complex system of the immune system and reduced it to one variable, vaccinate, mandate vaccines on everyone. And I'm going to, what you're going to learn is that the politicians in power And those in power want to do a top-down thing, be it never addressing the real public health issue, which is infrastructure in the case of how we really improve our immune health, but focus it on dividing us into pro-vax, anti-vax, on the issue of mandating vaccines, and on the gun issue, never always uh, forcing the pro-gun, anti-gun thing, which divides us versus looking at the public health issue of the multiplicity of factors that lead into that individual going in, shooting up someone. And typically, the media also focuses on, uh, typically it's about 95% of a white male who's doing that. They forget on focusing on all the shootings that are taking place by gang members in inner cities in this country. So let's come on over and we're going to, first of all, I want to review quickly uh, because I think it's important to understand this analogy with the pro-vax, anti-vax, and we're not going to talk about pro-gun, anti-gun. But just to review quickly, if you look at the reality of an individual here, who, let's say, gets infected by some bug, right? So some bug, some virus infects this guy, and he gets an infection, okay? And let's say this person gets an infection, he's quite unhappy. 
when this incident occurs, the media just doesn't say, uh, Bob got infected, oh my God, it's horrible, let's focus on Bob's infection. That's not wh what we do. We treat this as hopefully a public health issue, and we go look at the events leading to this infection, what I call the pre-events, okay, the preliminary events that led to this. And we go do analysis of who was a person that infected this person, and then we may find that maybe there was a bat here that bit a dog. You know, it's, uh, for example, in the coronavirus case, there was a dog that got uh, uh, infected here, and this went infected one person. We calculate something called the RO value. It's called the infectivity rate. How many people does one person infect? It can be anywhere between, let's say, one to three. In the case of the coronavirus, it means one person infects three other people. So we go try to understand this origin. If there was another person here, maybe they infected three people. But we really are doing an understanding of how this took place, and maybe this person infected this person. And then we also go look at the post-event here. The post-event here is what happened to this person after they got infected. Did they meet someone at an airport, you know? Did they sneeze on someone there? Did they meet someone in a coffee shop? And, and we do all this post-analysis to understand what's going on. But the bottom line here is when you look at this incident, we look at the preliminary events, we look at the post-events, and fundamentally, um, what this reveals to us is many of the events that occur here have to do with public health. We call it public health, right? And if you look at the real gains that took place when it came to infections was, we found out that hygiene mattered, right? We, uh, we found out that refrigeration mattered. For example, refrigeration of food had a huge effect on down-regulating this. We found out things like uh, nutrition mattered, okay? Vitamin A treatment. We found out, for example, reducing child labor mattered. Child labor laws reducing child labor. We found out that these infectious diseases could be start, stopped by sanitation, okay? Whether you have sanitation or not. The point is there are many factors, hygiene, sanitation, refrigeration. Uh, here we look at nutrition, vitamin A, reducing child labor. These things were public health issues which affected this infection rate. Now, vaccines were one part of this, okay? And in fact, they were a very small part of it. As I've shared before, these other areas, I want to highlight them in red here, the sanitation piece, the hygiene piece, the refrigeration piece, the nutrition piece, these things lowered infectious disease. If you look during the 1900s here, we actually take a graph here. If we look at infectious diseases on this axis, we knew that we had about 14 out of 100,000 people were dying of infectious diseases in the 1900s. And by, let's say, 1963, this rate had come down almost close to around, if you look here, uh, about 1 out of 200,000, okay? So by the time the measles vaccine came here, the measles vaccine, 98% of measles had already been eliminated, okay? So what you're seeing here in this graph is that it was these public health factors which really drove down infectious diseases. Over here, vaccines had a very, very minuscule effect. So the public health issues, in many ways, the sanitation worker, the plumber, and the electrician did far more 
to lower infectious diseases than did the pharmacist or the doctor, okay? But here we, we have an understanding of that because we don't just focus on this issue, we look at this larger issue, and if you guys can go look at my video on the modern immune system to understand. However, the politicians and those in power always want us to do this because what they want us to do is to distract us from recognizing we need to invest in public health, and that is what really brings down infectious diseases. It's not just mandating and forcibly the state telling us to put a vaccine into us that all of us have to participate in. This is a bottoms-up model. So anyway, I wanted to review that quickly um, to go now into the gun violence issue. When we look at gun violence, as I mentioned, there are, um, we're looking at that, again, just to redefine, we're looking at the gun rampage piece, which involves where an individual goes to a school and there's a horrible situation where he goes and kills people or to a mall or to a university. This is what we call gun violence, and this is what the media is focused on. Now, getting back to the same analogy, let's look at an individual here who is the, or a set of individuals, in the case of a, a rampage uh, situation, who are suddenly struck by a series of bullets, you know, and this is caused by an individual, okay? In this case, when this incident occurs, and the person, let's say, has a gun here, which shoots it, shoots a weapon here that causes this incident to occur. When this incident occurs, we have the deaths coming out of this. The media typically takes this entire situation and they focus on this incident at a point in time. So everything is about this incident taking place. Now, in the case of an infectious disease, we're looking at zero to seven days. This occurs in a fraction of, you know, milliseconds, right? This is not, you know, maybe, a, I don't know how fast a uh, bullet exactly travels, but this is on the order of milliseconds that this incident occurs. So the media is heavily focused on the actual event that takes place. And what does the media focus on? So this is the actual event, and the media focuses on the location, right? Where did it occur, right? They focus on the person, right? There's tremendous amounts of media coverage on this, right? There's something about, you know, there's a lot of uh, stuff we talk about, uh, the actual individual or whether uh, the place where it occurred, right? But the entire focus of the media um, and people is to focus on the actual event that takes place, the shooting, people died, there's a lot of emotion involved, so we, there's emotion that we bring into it. We talk about the families, we talk about the crying, etc. Okay? And then after this occurs, it lasts for a few days and people forget about it. Okay? So this would be like someone got infected and, and one person got infected in Massachusetts and you forget about it. Okay? And I'm proposing to you that we need to start looking at this in many ways as, a, uh, as we would do in engineering. What occurred before, like in biological engineering, and what occurs after? The good news is that there are some very good researchers like uh, Newman, uh, Jonathan Page, and others more recently who started looking at this from a systems approach. Um, most of my life, as I've shared with you, is to look at things from a systems approach. We did that with the climate change videos. We looked at that with college videos. We looked at the college scam videos or the college loan videos. We've looked at that also with the videos on immune systems. So let's start looking at this from that standpoint. What are the things that led to this individual even getting to this particular situation. What are those factors? So let's also look at the pre-events 
that cause this. So we want to go to the pre-events, okay? What are the factors that contributed to this? And what we'll find out, um, and by the way, one of the things I want to mention is in, in Massachusetts and the New England area, around 40,000 people die of sepsis. It's a bacterial infection. And we've spent hundreds of millions of dollars of work on understanding sepsis. 40,000 people in the United States roughly die of gun violence. We spent fractions of uh, dollars on that. And why? Because the Dickey Amendment of 1996 prohibits the CDC from treating gun violence as a bio, biological disease, you know, or understanding as a public health disease. The CDC cannot spend money on it. This is unfortunate. However, and there's, so if you go online and you look at sepsis researchers, you'll find out about 120,000 papers. If you type in gun violence, you're lucky you'll find out around 400 papers. So in going through that, what I found is there's some people uh, who have taken a systems approach, which means they look at the whole system, and we need more of that. So I'm going to share with you what that research reveals. What that research reveals is there's a multiplicity of factors that are involved that affect this. One was bullying, okay, what some people call marginalization, marginalization, which means the individual was bullied. Um, the second thing that affected this person, let's put it over here, was um, uh, the teachers, what I call no teacher surveillance, no teacher surveillance, okay? Which means the teachers were looking the other way, okay? The second aspect of this was um, psychosocial marginalization. And what I want to explain this is there's a number of factors that were involved in this. So this was family. There was beatings in families, abuse. This was drugs. And this was also um, having to do with, let's say, um, mental illness issues, okay? So there's a number of issues that went into this. So again, we have factor one. Let's highlight this again. This is bullying. We have the teachers essentially looking the other way. They knew something was wrong with the kid. The teachers looked the other way. Here we have bullying. And we have the psychosocial marginalization where you have mental illness, you have drugs, and your family contributing this, this exacerbates the bullying. The next uh, event that we actually had here that also contributes to this is, um, uh, <laughs> so okay, Alan's coughing, cough away, Alan. Um, we, have, Sorry. we have media, okay? Media or what people call cultural scripts, okay? Where the individual is either blogging on media violently, involved in sort of reading violent things, and this is another piece. And then finally, the issue I want to bring here is the access to guns, okay? Access to guns. This was one of the five issues, okay? So, again, we have media, violent media. You have this, so this is violent media. The person was involved either in producing violent media on their blog site, showing them doing something violent, or they were watching violent media. So what you want to see here, Fallon, focus in here, you have the bullying, you have the... Uh, uh, teachers are not surveillancing, you have access to guns, you have the psychosocial marginalization, and violent media scripts. The research showed there was m multiple factors which were involved in this incident taking place. Now, when this incident takes place, what happens? You have the post-events, right? Post-event. 
This results in PTSD for people. You have factors where people feel, you know, um, there's uh, events here that I want to go over. Uh, you have reflection, you know, you have protests, you know, a lot of people start protesting. You have people angry, right? And then you have uh, family breakups. Breakups, let's look at here. Sometimes people suddenly start passing legislation. And so you have essentially have a whole bunch of things. I just want to look here that I'm missing something. We did this. Uh, you have investigation, right? Investigation that takes place. You have outrage, right? But essentially there's a set of things that takes place. Again, this is not ever really looked at. And we don't normally look at how this goes and affects these things. But all the media covers is the gun. They focus on this gun, right? They focus on the bullets. They talk about all the anguish, the blood and the horror. This is what the media focus on. They don't focus on this because now we're looking at a public health issue. We're talking about, we have to start looking at, do we do training for these teachers? Are they seeing something in a child that they should immediately be counseling or bringing the child in caring? Should we talk about the bullying issues? How do we identify a kid that's being bullied? How do we um, put in infrastructure to support that and address that? Are we talking about the psychosocial marginalization, mental illness, the drugs, um, the family? Um, one of the uh, uh, events that took place between, the analysis that took place between, I believe 2008 to 17, that analysis showed one of the females that committed gun violence, very rare, came from a family where she was uh, regularly abused, okay? So there's multiple factors. This is a multifactorial approach. Now, what I want to close with is the research by Newman, where she looked at this gun rampage defined as where an individual attacks an institution, which again, the media focus on what we're calling gun violence for today's discussion. She found out that if you look at any one of these incidents, including access to guns, that if you removed any one of them, listen very carefully, if you removed any one of these events, that you could have stop those rampages. And she looked at between 1978 to around 2002 over a 24 year period. And her research showed that if you removed any one of these, not all of them, but any one, that you would have stopped those incidents. So think about that. So again, this is nascent research. We should understand why we don't do more of this multifactorial systems research. What we do do is we take, uh, you know, we bow down to research like from Harvard School of Public Health, which says, you need to just do one thing, take away the guns, take away the guns. And what we're doing by that is, again, creating like the pro-vax, anti-vax, pro-gun, anti-gun. We take very good people who, you know, are uh, hunters, who have good lives, care, who, uh, and we bring them and we enrage them. And we're very good people. Most of these, you, you saw the rally in Virginia. There was no incident there. People showed up and they left very calmly. But those people, um, the politicians are pissing off and get enraged because the politicians who are corrupt do not want to address these issues because these are infrastructure issues. They don't want to address the pharmaceutical issues. They don't want to address the family issues. They don't want to address the media issues. These are bigger issues. Instead of taking them on, take away the guns. Very much like vaccines, right? Let's vaccinate everyone. But what I want to tell you is that there are other things we could focus on, the bullying. If we take that away, according to Newman's research, that would have stopped it. If we looked at the teacher surveillance, that would have stopped it. The psychosocial marginalization. So the end net of it is we have multiple opportunities to actually have stopped these gun violence rampages.
And more importantly, the effects that these things have, because we don't look at it, they feed back on themselves. The PTSD, uh, the, the family you know, breakdown, the legislations never really address. Uh, they just focus on this issue. So I think the opportunity we have is a public health opportunity to really focus on these other issues. But going after the guns and telling people to take away the guns, there's other choices we have. And this is something that was guaranteed to us by the Second Amendment, which is protecting of the First Amendment. This is one of the uh, important aspects of the Constitution. Why are we going and poking that bear when we have other opportunities? And that's a question I want to leave you with. And in closing, what we need to consider, as I did in a previous video this morning, is the fundamental division that's taking place in this country is do we believe in people using their own minds and their own common sense to take care of their lives, that they can do it on their own? Or do we believe that we need a state mandating to us, telling us what to do? The question is, you know, I believe that you know better. There are other people who think they know better. Okay, that's what the issue is, is. Do we believe that everyday people can make decisions for themselves and we put responsibility on people who's bullying? Why aren't the teachers involved? What drugs are people taking? Is a family involved? What are people watching? Or are we going to impose a state solution, which is take away the guns? Or are we going to impose, in the case of the vaccine solution, which is put a mandate on vaccinate everyone? When there are many other solutions we know can increase immune health, which is you take vitamin A, you take care of your thyroid, you, you, know, you have hygiene, you have infrastructure. And the other point I want to make is what's going on in this country is that the politicians in Massachusetts, for example, Massachusetts got an F in infrastructure, F. In fact, they got a big fat F, 135 points out of 350, okay? Big, by the American Society of Civil Engineers, we have a horrible water systems. So, and Massachusetts got a D plus in corruption, lowest in public integrity. So the politicians are not able to deliver us infrastructure, which is public health. Okay, going back to this. So they're not able to deliver us public health. So what they're doing is dividing us. Pro-vax, anti-vax, pro-gun, anti-gun. They should be focused on, right now we have dirty water, we have dirty food, dirty air. Instead of focusing on these issues, which can really bring down infectious diseases, they're saying we need to poke everyone. Or in the case of the gun thing, we need to remove guns and they're creating this dialectic. So. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. This is Dr. Shiva. By the way, you guys know I'm running for U.S. Senate on a campaign of truth, freedom, and health. If you want to support our campaign, you can donate to our campaign. And if you do, I, I never feel good just taking your money. I actually uh, will support you in learning. We have a book called System and Revolution. You can also get an app. We teach you how the body is a system, how everything is a system. And you also get a bumper sticker. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. Be well. Uh, Shiva for Senate. And Dr. Shiva.